Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Eric V. Uh, today we are joined by our very special guest, Jackie. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Doing pretty well. Yeah. Doing pretty well. Eric, Eric's okay. running late, but you know, it's okay. It is we what it is. You know. It is what it is, you know. So, uh, where are you from, Jackie? Uh, from Ontario, Canada. Awesome. And uh, when were you first introduced to recovery? Um, well, I guess actually introduced to it would be just a couple of years ago. I had like a couple stints of, you know, six months here, eight months there throughout my mm-hmm. adulthood, but that's really probably it. <laughs> All right. And uh, how long have you been clean? Um, May 21st will be my two years. Awesome. And uh, I'm sure by the time this comes out, that will have passed. So congratulations and uh, continue your uh, recovery. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. And with all that out of the way, we're going to turn it over to you to uh, share your story with us. So pitter-patter, let's get at her. All right. Um, So uh, basically, my introduction into addiction really started probably when I was 19. I was in a really bad car accident. Um, uh, yeah, three of my friends and I were going for a girls weekend out and ended up getting hit head on by a drunk driver. And, um, I broke my back and dislocated my knee and front teeth. And like, I was a fucking mess. (laughs) I was a mess. And, um, it was a long, it was a long recovery. I got a prescription for opiates, you know, the whole, uh, whole thing. And my life was turned upside down. I basically lost my place. I lost, you know, lost my relationship I was in because I needed mm-hmm. his help. <laughs> you know, God forbid. <laughs> so then I was, you know, I don't know. Things just went really horribly bad after that. So, um, to be honest with you, I used it as an excuse for a long time to keep taking opiates once my doctor had stopped giving them to me. It was kind of like a, just an excuse to continue using to feel better from being so depressed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how old were you when you got the accident? Uh, oh, you said 19. Yeah, I was 19. Sorry, it just like went in. Well, like I'm thinking about like you having all these ailments and I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. Sorry, continue. Okay, no problem. Um, So basically, I um, sorry, I made myself notes, (laughs) so I didn't forget them. Anyway, I ended up I ended up losing everything. Moved back to my mom's house. You know, I was on crutches at that point and trying to get around. And insurance companies cutting you off your uh, income replacement and like just. It's just the worst, sending you all over for appointments and lawyers and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And um, uh, basically, I started, I tried to start working again as a bartender, which was obviously a horrible scene to get involved mm-hmm. with and have an addiction problem. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of snowballed. And then um, I was actually doing really good. <laughs> I started getting better. It was probably about a year and a half in or something like that, but I was like, jogging, you know, keeping in fit, all that sort of stuff. And then I met the guy 
Mm -hmm. Um, Probably not the wisest of choices, but find out obviously not right away that he sold drugs and just happened to be the drugs that I had just previously gotten off of. So Mm -hmm. it's like not blaming him at all, but it was my my choice. Obviously, I saw a route to keep using anyway. So things got really bad, of course, and we ended up breaking up. And then I finally got my own uh, my own apartment, and for the first time in a long time. And um, basically, I lived there for four or five years, and uh, got into a different drug, um, a stimulant instead, and um, got the most compliments I ever had in my life. You know, like I lost weight, and uh, you know, got everything in the world done, and you know. What's stimulant? Uh, crystal meth. Yeah. I was like, it's either Coke or meth. I was like, one or the other. And I just, I just yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if I, was, if I should be dropping the substance. Anyway, it's okay. Down. Okay. So, yeah. Crystal meth became my best friend at that point. And it's, it's really hard because I always had, uh, like, self-esteem issues and body image issues, uh, issues and all that sort of stuff. So, I think when people are coming up to me and telling me that I look the best I ever had in my life and I'm getting everything done and renovating my place and blah, 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 you know, I was on top of the world or so I thought. Um, um, So about the last year of that, though, I went into, like, the darkest depression that I've ever experienced in my life, worse than the accident. And um, I had, like, a super super hard time with being by myself. I like became agoraphobic actually. Oh wow. Which oh, is wow. like when you don't when you don't go outside. Perfect now. It 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 set you up perfectly for uh COVID. Yeah, no shit, right? That was I mean that was <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um so anyway anyway, yeah, I uh that was a few years ago now, but um, it was it was just really bad. Like, I wouldn't go outside unless it was at nighttime or it was just to go to the bank to get money from my drug dealer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I eventually packed up and left that place, which was a whole other thing in itself, because I'd spent five years renovating someone else's house. You know, uh, yeah. it was just... Like, which is fine because it kept me busy and I was happy and it was my place, but I didn't want to leave it really. I had a job offer in um, British Columbia to do this really cool job and packed up everything I had, took it to a, like a sea can, one of those storage things at my mom's mm-hmm. house. And uh, yeah, I was going to move out west and I found out that the guy was like luring me to, into a job there and it wasn't actually with the company. He was like a supervisor with this company and he wanted me to like live at his house and it was just the weirdest, weirdest situation ever. <laughs> so yeah. By that, yeah. So by that not happening, uh, I ended up being homeless. And I had nowhere to go because I had given up everything. Right. And, um, yeah. I went and stayed with a friend of mine, um, for a little while. And then, um, I ended up finally getting another place to live, but that wasn't for a few months, and it was kind of rough. And uh, um, my friend actually from out west moved here. He's like my best friend in the world. And 
he was going to rehab because he had troubles with opiate addiction out there. Mm. And so we had moved in together while we were here. It was like the best time of my life. My one childhood friend moved here. I was, thought everything was great until he found, he just got out of rehab and found my meth pipe in my truck that I was hiding from him. So that, because I felt so guilty, you know. Yeah. Um, of course, I don't want him to relapse, but I was ashamed of who I was. Uh, anyway, so he found that and used some of it, I suppose, because he relapsed again. So that was a whole other guilt trip thing I went through, which was horrible. But um, anyway, we ended up both relapsing together and it just kind of was like two old buddies hanging out, getting high. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, I feel really bad kind of now. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, his brother had found out that he had cancer. He was only like 27 years old or something. So he had left and went back out west. Mm-hmm. So here I am now again by myself. So it's another pretty party good show for me. <laughs> so I um, ended up getting into doing fentanyl. Oh, yeah. So from one extreme to another, basically, I decided to go from, you know, one side to the other. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So that was a whole nother ball game. Um, I was at a house that I shouldn't have been at and um, someone overdosed. And I mean, this was before Narcan and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's lucky for me that I was there because I was the only one that knew CPR. But uh, I ended up having to revive this guy. And I'm telling you what, guys, it changed my life forever. Yeah. It seemed like it was a, it was a fight. Like, I had to fight him. I don't even know if he was alive <laughs> or, like, what was going on. But he would jump up and, like, try to attack me. I had scratches down my chest and bruises. And, like, it was I actually had to fight him to try to save his life. It was the craziest experience I've ever I've ever dealt with before. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that happened, and it like flipped me upside down. Then I decided I should probably go to rehab. I was kind of fighting myself for a little while to do that. Back and forth, tried locking myself in a room to try to get clean. Obviously, that didn't work. <laughs> um, mm. And then uh, one day, actually, I just was going to cut my mom's grass, <laughs> and I met this guy that was at my mom's neighbor's house, and. I was sober. I've been sober since the day after I met him. So I was on a Suboxone, I was on a Suboxone program. Um, I went from like 16 milligrams of Suboxone down to being clean in less than, uh, I think, three months. I think three right. months. I I tapered myself off. I haven't been. I haven't taken another dose. <laughs> I'm off the program. I haven't relapsed. Everything's good. So then, you know, um, about a month later, that best friend of mine that had moved here from out west, I got a phone call stating that he had overdosed and died. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that shattered my heart in half. And I I made a decision at that point that I was going to, I was going to change and I was going to make sure that he didn't die for no reason. And uh, I wanted to help other people because I figured I was such a far gone case and I was so all over the place that if I can do it, it sure can help someone else. <laughs> you know? Um, mm-hmm. uh, so 
I started working with the methadone doctor um, in his kind of clinic, and I got set up with, I did my first public speaking gig um, January 2019. Uh, I've been doing, like, uh, I'm a a part of a committee here that's called People with Lived Experience, and we kind of help mentor, like, even the political systems and counties and stuff to try to see how we can combat the overdoses, mm-hmm. uh, handing, handing out harm reduction supplies, um, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. oh, oh, and then actually just right before the quarantine happened, thank God, I wasn't going to go because I was afraid of all this shit going on. And, mm-hmm. uh, the government actually paid for me to go to Ottawa. I, they paid for my flight, hotel, accommodations, and 500 bucks to go for two days <laughs> um, to a mental health and substance use use symposium. So it was like people from all over Canada, from one coast to the other, all talking about how we can combat these problems in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. So that was a really cool experience. I got back, I think, the day before, like a week before they like put us in a state of emergency. Um, right. Where I'm actually, where I'm actually from, which is like ten minutes from where I live now, uh, the whole town, like it's like a population of twenty five hundred people, like just the smallest shitty town, and it's like right. sixty people are dead, and like it's hit really hard where I'm actually from. So everyone's in a state of emergency. It's nice that I got to go away and come back. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so, I mean, my best friend, my best friend died, and then, uh, actually, two of my ex-boyfriends also have overdosed and died within the last year and a half. Jesus. Yeah, so, like, all the main, main people that were influential in my life, whether positive or negative, um, in some aspects have all passed away, which is like, I'm not really much of a person that has a giant, um, friend group, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I kind of like, like to keep it small and small and important and impactful, you know, and, yeah. uh, I, I've got all these influential people in my life gone. So, I mean, it's been a wake up call to me and also, you know, to blow the horn on helping other people because I realized how close I've I am to of being just in the same shoes, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm super lucky to be alive today and I know that. So, um, I just want to try to help other people. Mm. That's, that's pretty well where I stand, I think right now. Now I live on a farm and have a, a dog and a cat and an awesome boyfriend and want to keep myself, keep ourselves busy and try to help other people. I think, I mean, that's all we can really do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And yeah, we definitely have some questions for you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and start uh, with a nice easy one. Are you a, are you a cat person or a dog person? You can't say both. You have to pick one or the other. Funny story, actually, <laughs> is that my boyfriend's the one that had the dogs, and I had the cats. And uh-huh. now, now since we've now since we've lived together. The dogs are like my babies, and the cat is all his. It's the strangest oh. fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. So I mean, so, so you you're a converted cat woman. Yeah. 
I guess. I wasn't oh. really, I didn't really like cats either, but it's, it's weird how things happen because uh, my one ex-boyfriend that had passed away, I got his cat. I took oh. his cat in because he didn't have, he didn't have anywhere to take it. This is before he passed away, but I had her for a couple of years before he had passed away. But, um, it's, it's really strange. Like, <laughs> Just, I don't know, thinking about everything like that is just really strange. <laughs> She's yeah. awesome, though. Good kitty. Nice. All right, Eric, I took the first fun question, so over to you. All right, so, um, Jackie, you didn't, you know, you didn't talk a lot about, um, I guess, the, the fellowship part of recovery for you. So how, like, first off, are you in a fellowship? Um, I'll, I'll start with that. Are you, are you in a fellowship? No. No. Okay. Um, so, no. so can I ask, um, so the follow up to that would be, have you tried fellowship recovery before? Um, and if so, why, um, have you chosen not to continue with it? Um, and if not, is it something that you're, you, you would look at doing down the line? Well, I mean, for where I live, like, the population is so small that it's kind of hard to find somewhere that isn't, like, a really far drive or mm. whatever to go to. However, mm -hmm. I did go to a meeting before. It was just, it was an AA meeting, and, like, I've never had I, – I went to one meeting. I went to – actually, two. I've been to two meetings, and the first time I went there, it was, like, I was desperate just to <laughs> – blurred out who I was and things that have happened and I just needed to tell somebody and I think I just about made all these elderly people shit themselves <laughs> 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 you know how to take what the, they're like looking at me like what the fuck you know <laughs> yeah I'm like telling all these crazy stories and they're just like high eyed like oh my god <laughs> so I thought I maybe scared them so I didn't really want to go back <laughs> right. uh, but I, I mean, I work at. I have the um, Russell P. Uh, Russell, Russell, what? Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. I think his name is. Mm -hmm. His books. Yeah, like I've worked through yeah. his, his addiction recovery book and stuff. And I have like the smart, the smart program. Ooh, cool. Like I've, yeah. So I've worked through that stuff. But honestly, my the main thing that's helped me get through. Uh, was finding like a sense of spirituality, not so much in the sense of church, but through energy healing and um, Reiki and you know, crystals and meditation and all that sort of stuff. I'm mm -hmm. a totally different person than I was then. Like if the old me stood in front of me to talk to, I wouldn't even know who she was kind of thing. Like people that know me, like my own mom is just like, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> Like, I like this one. This one's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question or not. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, oh, that was great. That's cool. Um, go, go to Eric? Yeah, go ahead, David. Or do you have a follow-up? I'll have a follow-up okay. after, after your question. Okay, I have two questions. All right. Um, so was de depression ever an issue for you before the accident? Yes. Yes? Okay. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, I probably didn't, wasn't always really aware of it because I just masked it with 
codependency and, you know, partying or whatever kind of thing, you know, and didn't really think much yeah. about it, but absolutely. Hmm. All right. Um, and then I kind of like it, this is a two part. So how did, uh, your depression, how did that, uh, play into your, uh, your using and then how have you addressed, uh, your depression through recovery? Oh, I think that's kind of a tough one. I mean, I, I've addressed it. It's helped a lot changing my diet. I never really realized how important, because, <laughs> you know, you probably want to see your pants off instead of anything. The last thing I, I would, you know, eat a McDonald's burger or like, you know, have a McDonald's breakfast and not eat again until God only knows when, you know, kind of thing. So, I mean, nutrition, uh, the people that you have around you, is a huge, a huge deal, which I didn't really realize before. I thought I had all kinds of friends in the world until shit got real. And then, you know, um, so, I mean, I, mine was like a really long drawn out process because like, when I was still using full blown, I decided to like get rid of all these shitty people that were taking advantage of me or you know, mm-hmm. just, just whatever. And then I made like, I made rules for myself. Like I wasn't going to, you know, I was going to only buy drugs but not sell them to anybody because I didn't want to influence their lives in a negative way, although mm-hmm. it's my own choice if I want to wreck mine kind of thing. And small little small little choices like that or, like, rules I made, like, address my anger first because I was really pissed off. Like, I was used to fight and, like, oh, man, I was, like, the worst tomboy ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I pissed off one, too, which was horrible, but... <laughs> It, it just kind of, it kind of progressed that way. I mean, sometimes I still have bad days and I'm still depressed and I'm still in, yeah. like grieving and that sort of thing. So, um, especially now with the opiate epidemic, I don't believe that people have really had much time to process their grief due to the, you know, advancement in numbers and never mind this COVID thing going on. And oh yeah, it's just a lot of stuff to process. I mean, I probably. Once I catch up one day, I'll be like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, it, it gets me sometimes, my depression. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, there's been times that I've wanted to use, actually. I forgot to tell you guys, you know, the, like, six months after I was, I stopped using, I had this, like, it was like my body was in charge, but not my mind. It's the strangest thing. But um, I somebody messaged me on Facebook or something and was like, I have this and that. And I was like jumped up out of bed and was going out the door before I even knew what the hell I was doing. And, like, my boyfriend standing outside the end of the driveway watched me pull away, like, where the fuck are you going? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And which is, like, totally out of character for me. And, you know, he knew that, too. But everybody was afraid, you know? And I ended up going to pick it up, like, went to pick it up, and the guy handed it to me with a Narcan in the other hand and was like, be careful, don't do it while you're driving. Jesus. And I was like... Yeah. It just looked like a smack in the face, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, and, and I literally came home and sat in front of our fireplace and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried because I knew, like, you know, my friend just died, my boyfriend has just died, everyone's freaking dying around me, and I still, for whatever reason, had this force that took me there, and I just felt so helpless, you know, and this was already... I hadn't been using for six months, but also keep in mind that I've done that stint many times before. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, at least a year is that block of time that 
I feel like is really like crucial up in the air. You don't know <laughs> if you're going to go back or forward or down the yeah. rabbit hole. No. <laughs> Sorry, I just went on a tangent. <laughs> no, that's... No, that's... No. that's <laughs> yeah, and it, it, I mean, it's a good tangent because, I mean, it really... It's it's kind of fucked up when, you're, when your drug dealer is also handing you Narcan. Um, yeah. Right? Like, uh, that's... That's Canadian, that's Canadian for you. They wouldn't I, do that in I, America. I, I, they, I, they, I, just, they would just give you the bag you know? and be like, you're on your own. Yeah, right. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, you guys, well, the guys are so friendly. They're like this, you know. This is this is kind of dangerous, eh? You you should but probably uh, it's, take, it, take it easy here, bud. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's I just like Canadian accent. I'm, I apologize. It's like <laughs> it's awful though that that's like a a thing that like because I I mean I've you know when I. When I relapsed last time, I did fentanyl of like you know some dope that was uh, that had fentanyl in it, and yeah, it just it fucking drops you like, and it's crazy to chase yeah. that and know that like you might need Narcan to come back. Like it's crazy to think that like I might fall out, so I need this to bring me back. Like and consciously right. know it. Like that's so fucked up, you know? Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, I mean fentanyl is scary as shit. I, I like I just I don't I don't know. There's not many drugs that like really terrified me when I was using, but fentanyl is definitely one where it's like this is like a really I don't know. It's just it's, it's so fucking scary. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I you know? Go ahead. Definitely. It's um. I mean, it's crazy too, right? Because I'm from such a small area that, like, I know everybody. Like, everybody knows everybody. Like, I went to school. That's the whole thing, right? Like, I grew up down the street, actually, from the guy that sold it to me and handed me the Narcan. So, I mean, like, I know in my heart 100%. Like, he's a wonderful person, you know, super nice guy. And uh, he would never intentionally try to hurt me. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that for a fact. It's the, the sickness, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was probably dumb sick and wanted, you know, cause I lent him 20 bucks on top of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like I didn't give a shit. So it's, it's just so crazy how with that mentality, you can just take all of your values and morals and just throw them in the fucking garbage. Just, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just sad because I know that he would never do that to me on purpose. He'd never be like, here's some shit that's going to kill you because I know that you haven't been using for eight months and a Percocet would probably fuck you up. <laughs> never mind a bag of fentanyl. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it's horrible. It's the same as like, um, our actually like my ex-boyfriend which was the same guys like best friends like we grew all grew up in the same neighborhood and uh he he didn't have like the one guy said that he couldn't go and use at his house or something so he went into the bathroom at a local pizza shop and that's where he overdosed mm-hmm. and they and you know these young kids that work at this pizza shop are the ones that found him like and it's it's just demo it's completely demo demolished our little town here and it's just not that it has anywhere else I'm not trying to downplay that at all but I mean it's all each other's friends like 
people from the same neighborhood are in jail right now for manslaughter. There's three of them. And they're all, like, we're all neighbors. So one girl used to, the girl that's charged with manslaughter used to babysit my sister when we were growing up kind of thing. Like, it's just fucking surreal, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's it's just a crazy thing. But anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's oh, you're uh, good. So I guess, you know, you, you were mentioning kind of like um, being a voice, right, for for kind of the dreadfulness of fentanyl. Can you go into a little bit more detail about, like, what you're you're doing to kind of, you know, get that out there? Well, I think I, think I started out as, like, first it was kind of more for me, I think, than anybody else. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if I had enough courage to tell people the things that I've done that I hid in the closet and tried to shy away from or, you know, hide behind this other picture that I had in my mind that people might want to see that, uh, uh, it either gives people hope that we're using that they were like, Hey, she she was really fucked up and she could do it. So I probably can. <laughs> and, uh, and to free myself from all that shit that I had in the closet that I didn't, I, I couldn't come to terms with myself. But I think at first it was more for that. Hmm. It was more to set myself free. And then um, it kind of progressed into realizing, like, the magnitude. From the first time I spoke until now, I mean, more people have died than I know. Um, more families are affected. You know, I heard mothers, mothers of these people called me crying their eyes out, like, the fucking sound of a mother that lost her son is <clears throat> horrifying. You know, it's something I'll never forget in my whole entire life. Like, this shit is hurting people. And it needs to stop. But I mean, the stigma behind it is is the real killer for me. And you know, like when I stand up at these places and say like I'm a I'm in recovery from crystal meth and fentanyl, people are like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like she doesn't look because in people's minds they have this stereotypical uh, idea of what a drug user looks like. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, I I don't agree with it, and I just want to I just want to break it, and give people a voice, and to know that things can be better, or at least, or at least support people that are using, so that they actually have a chance to get into rehab rather than um, die on the street from or from other diseases that come with you know sharing needles or you know that sort of stuff. You know, at least keep at least keep everybody safe mm-hmm. until they get the get the strength to go to uh, treatment. Yeah. All right. And uh, you talked about uh, giving out like the harm reduction um, kits and and, like, and supplies. Um, And that's in, in the recovery community, that can be kind of a controversial thing because a lot of people, it's kind of one way or the other, whether people support it or they don't. And so I would, I would just want to hear like your your take on what what do you think the benefits of harm reduction are, and like how have you seen that um, play out? Well, I mean, uh, without clean supplies, people can get sicker. And I mean, yes, that it shouldn't. Being a substance user shouldn't be a fucking death sentence. Yes. 
uh, based on, uh, you know, uh, financial abilities or accessibility, <laughs> excuse me, or, you know, simple things like that should not be a problem. Like, I understand, I understand, um, you know, the downfalls of being a drug addict because I was one. So, I mean, mm-hmm. to tell somebody that they're not uh, entitled to, like, basic necessities, whatever lifestyle that they choose, it's, it's really quite ridiculous in my eyes. But, I mean, if people are dead or sick, they're not going to get recovered, period. Yeah. And I mean, it's yeah. just showing support in a community because a lot of people self-isolate. They uh, find they find um, strength within their own communities of also other addicts that teach them basically not to trust anybody and, uh, you know, <laughs> people aren't trustworthy and that sort of thing. <laughs> I like to be a voice to show people that there are people that you can trust. There are ways that you can get help. There are people that give a shit about you. There are mm-hmm. people that will help you, and you don't have to give them anything back in return. They just want to help you. Yep. you know? And I think that, like, my first initial steps into recovery was a hard one for me. Like, PTSD and shit alone, when I first, like, blessed Jay's heart, my boyfriend, he, you know, I don't know what I would have done without him. And he's went through a lot of shit just dealing with me sorting through my trust issues and stuff that I have had, you know, based on the lifestyle that I had before. Being on guard all the time, in fucking survival mode, steady. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, I just want just want a couple of people to not have to feel like that anymore because it was horrible. So, I mean, yeah. that's just basically my mission with that sort of stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a great, that's a great mission. Well, thank you. I, I mean, it's <laughs> it, it is kind of it's kind of silly that like. Like the word, like okay, so like the phrase harm reduction, the fact that people are even against that is just fucking absurd to me. I just, I just need to say that when you ask yeah. your question, yep. like there's like the way you phrased it, I was like, I was like, it's so stupid when you phrase it like that that people are like, you know what, I'm not for reducing harm. Like it's like yeah. just say it out loud. Oh, yeah. Say how I'm, stupid. Like say the phrase out loud and realize how stupid it sounds. That you would rather people like yeah. harm themselves than reduce the harm that's being. I caused. am for harm inflation. Harm inflation or nothing. That is well, you know, incre- how can we increase the harm? Well, a lot of people's opinions on it is that like get all the addicts in one fucking spot and blow it up, kind of deal. You know, you get those assholes mm-hmm. too. And that people are like, oh, they don't deserve, oh, just give, uh, why are you letting, like, even when this COVID thing's going on, like, they're putting homeless people in hotel rooms and stuff, and they're, like, uh, you know, bitching about that and letting them die and, like, all kinds of stuff. You see horrible shit on the fucking internet, man. I just can't even believe it, but. Yeah. <laughs> and we're we're really lucky um, to, to be where we are in, in, uh, America, you know, like the United States and Canada, because I like a lot of people probably don't know this, but in the Philippines, they are they are killing addicts, like they're they're killing us. the The president of the Philippines has been for the last several years has been rounding up drug addicts and 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 drug dealers and just killing them, no trial, wow. no nothing, and, it, and it's like it it it's a genocide of of people who are are afflicted with addiction. Like these aren't like soulless 
uh, the creatures just running around, they're human beings and they like, they have a problem and they need help. And right now, like in, in 2020, there are addicts who are, who are being killed by their own government just because they see them as, as a, a basically a, a lesser, uh, being like, they don't even see them as a human being anymore. And like, that's, appalling and tragic and like it's it's crazy when you actually like look up the numbers of how many how many addicts have just been murdered by their own government i didn't know that yeah it it's it's actually quite horrible and what's even more horrible uh no i'm not gonna go nope not gonna go there it's 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 horrible period wow I was, yeah, about down, I was about to go down. I was about to go go down a uh, <laughs> political road, and I nope. will not do that. No, none of that, David. Not okay. here. None of that. No, nope. I didn't. I, I stopped myself. Yep. Oh boy. Se- separation between church <laughs> and state. It. You know, we. Uh, I I got you, dude. Yeah. I stopped it. Okay. I stopped it. We're okay. good. We're good. Well, to continue cool. to continue on. A little extra editing tonight. No, no. <laughs> We try to never edit. Never no, I think edit. we're good. Uh, I think we're, we're good. good. We're good. So the next question I have is you kind of you kind of started talking about it where you were saying that, you know, a lot of your recovery is based on spirituality and, you know, it's not like a lot of more new age uh, concepts um, around energy and uh-huh. Reiki. Um, can you describe the process kind of of your spirituality and how it has evolved? Uh, since kind of getting clean and what, and not just how it's evolved, but what other aspects of spirituality or just mindfulness in general, are you looking to incorporate into your daily like wellness? Okay. Well, so you basically allow me to explain my last year of crazy struggle, (laughs) trying to figure my shit out. No problem. (laughs) Um, I I really had to slow down. I think my first my first thing was I needed to slow down and that everything wasn't a rush and it's not things I had to try to change my ideology from something I have to do to I get to do this today. <laughs> Which I think really changed the way that I saw a lot of things because it was like if you run around stressed out all the time, like I have to do this, I have to do that. Yeah. A, you're not grateful, and B, you're, like, overwhelmed and stressed the fuck out. So, like, I mean, I dealt with a lot of that. Anxiety, social anxiety is something I dealt with really badly. So, I mean, to first to go into a fellowship, I thought that I needed to, like, get my head straight and my shit together within my own head first <laughs> before I attempted that whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> excuse me. So, um... I basically started trying to do like a few minutes of meditation here. At first I thought it was a load of crap. And then it turned into like every time I meditate now, it's like 40 minutes and it's gotten me to chill out and like center a little bit. Um, but my main introduction to it, honestly, was um, I went to this shop. It was just like a crystal and like that sort of thing. Uh, place and this lady approached me and she's like you have to go and see my friend and I was looking at her like she had three heads you know and I was like okay well <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go there after I leave here so I went down to this other shop 
And this lady uh, offered me to go into this like copper pyramid. It might sound like completely ludicrous and your viewers might think I'm nuts, but <laughs> um, it's like this copper tubing pyramid and meditate underneath of it. And mm. the shit that I saw in my meditation through my third eye or whatever, blew, my, blew the socks off me. Like I couldn't, I, I was in like a state of shock. My boyfriend did it too in another one. And like the whole way home, we're like looking at each other, like, "What the fuck just happened?" Yeah. <laughs> like, you want you too? Because that was crazy. <laughs> so I mean, it, it intrigued me, and I needed to understand it because I'm more of like a science based, like facts are facts kind of person, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, is, which has very much changed. Uh, I think that science is very much behind now that I've learned all these other things that I have. But however, that's another story for another day. Um, I. Uh, like dived hard into this research about all this stuff and discovered um, like the different fields and like um, different people. I don't know if you've have you ever heard of Joe Dispenza? I think his last name is. No, no, maybe. No. Check check him out. He's super cool. I have a subscription to Gaia, like that network. Uh, he's on there mm-hmm. a lot, but. I just, I just bought like four of his books. They're waiting for them for Amazon. <laughs> but right. uh, he has basically given a scientific term to all of these uh, spiritual practice, ancient spiritual practices from throughout history. Like he's basically hacked it mm-hmm. to, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And um, I've basically been hopping on that train. And uh, it teaches you, he just basically teaches you how to slow down and how to breathe and how to oxygenate your cells and like um, mm-hmm. grounding and all this sort of stuff. Like I just, I've kept myself busy going down the rabbit hole. This is why I'm okay with being out here in the middle of the country, canning and doing spiritual shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's, I don't know. I don't really know what else to say about it other than like, I hope other people check it out or look into it because it's mind blowing. Well, doesn't it really is. Doesn't copper have like healing oh, benefits? Like, um, I, I've heard that copper has healing benefits. When you were talking about the copper pyramid, yeah, for sure. It will. Uh, it actually um, purifies like purifies water, or like a lot of places. Some places in Europe have uh, copper railings and copper handles. Like if if everywhere around here, we wouldn't have to worry about washing our hands every three seconds. It actually kills bacteria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, same with same with silver. Silver is antimicrobial yeah. as well. That's right. Yeah, so like the getting into this shit has been like a rabbit hole of like fucking um, colloidal silver and like looking at all these different natural products mm-hmm. and like to go like I'm pretty well vegetarian. I can't say the one. I can't say the words for the fish one where you only eat fish and uh, which, which one like, vegetarian. are you, like, are you <laughs> vegan? Are, okay. So I'm pesca vegan. Do you eat dairy or do you not eat dairy? I don't like dairy. It doesn't like me. So I just stopped. Mm. I stopped. But you eat yeah, fish and you don't eat meat. Right. So you're pesca vegan. I will vegan. if I have to, but it's grass, grass fed, whatever. I don't yeah. know what? You're a pesca vegan, pretty much, right? Then? Pesca vegan. Fucking sweet. There it is. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I am. So, I, I uh, yeah, you're a pesca vegan. Cool. 
Oh. All right. Um, Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> what? You learn something. You learn something new on podcast recovery. Yeah. That's what we aim to do. We we inform and we entertain. That's that's our that's our motto. That's I don't know if it is, but it is now, Eric. There you go. All right. So I, I have two <laughs> questions left. One one's going to be uh, a hard question, and then one's going to be a fun question. So, um, describe your process of like how do you process death and recovery. Well, uh, or how have you? Well, I mean, the first, the first initial death was like, I mean, this guy, like my friend, his name was Bob and he, he, uh, was my best friend of like 23 years. Like, mm-hmm. like the compadre that, you know, that one friend that you had from like, you know, kindergarten or whatever mm-hmm. until you're like a yeah. thousand years old. Yeah, he was like that. I only have a couple of those. <clears throat> and he's the, he was my actual whatever best friend. So, I mean, that one hit me like a ton of bricks. It turned my life upside down, and I didn't know. I didn't even, wasn't even sure if I wanted to live anymore. So, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I had that questionable phase for a little while, and it was really hard. Like, I still cry about it now. It's been almost two years. Yeah. But um, the other, like, the other people that have passed away, I feel like, it's just more of a driving force. I think my way of coping, I suppose, is to push harder um, mm-hmm. to try to get to more people or get connected with another group that can, you know, facilitate something bigger. Or, um, you know, I write letters to them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like there's something really cool happening, like... Uh, you know, I write to them and or talk out loud sometimes like a weirdo, but I do that. <laughs> um, and, and basically, like the one person I go and hang out with his mom and like, you know, share stories or, you know, try to lighten her up a little bit kind yeah. of thing. I mean, there's really not too much to do when my friend passed away, like on his birthday or um, stuff like that. I've like released Chinese lanterns and... Um, you know, uh, we said that we were going to get wear dress clothes and get all muddy and then jump in mud puddles together once. So I did that mm-hmm. on this day of funeral kind of thing. I did, my, did that by myself, <laughs> which I looking retarded, but whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like just, just simple things. I went to, uh, like a dark, like a dark reserve, you know, where there's no like light pollution or whatever. Mm-hmm. And went went looked at the star. Yeah, I went and looked at the stars on his um, on his death date um, just last year. So I mean, that was like a four hour drive. I went to the middle of nowhere. That was really cool though. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't know. I just try to just try to stay sober, realizing that it's my I'm lucky to be here. I'm yeah. very lucky. Yeah. And yeah, I just wanted to Yeah. Um I just like wanted to hear your take because obviously um we do this for people out there and people out there also have um lost friends and loved ones, family members, 
uh, to addiction and any, there's no really wrong way to go about it. Um, I guess. And it's just like, whatever, whatever helps you. And like, I, I really like how, uh, you made it very personal and something, uh, that's old, like you were talking and really like always comes to mind is something like my sponsor taught me or, uh, like showed me. And it's this, um, it's this literary piece called a reason, a season and a lifetime. And it's basically everybody in that we interact with in life falls into one of those three categories. And like, sometimes people just show up for a season of our lives and they all affect us in different ways. And even if, uh, one half of a relationship is gone. Like your like you said, your lifetime best friend. He's still going to be with you for a lifetime, and I think that's that's something really cool to think about. Oh God, yeah. I mean, like with him, that's what I always say. Like when I talk to him or tell other people, even is that through his death saved my life. You know, he's yeah. not he's not here physically with me, but he's absolutely the reason why I'm actually going to have a life to live that's worthwhile and, you know, uh, and hopefully can help others do the same thing. Like he, he changed a lot of people's lives by passing Mm -hmm. away. And I always thank him for that. Mm. That's awesome. All right. Well, I want to, I want to get to, I want to end my, my cross examination on a happy note. So I want to know, I want to know what, uh, what do you find weirdest about Americans, about people from the United States? <laughs> well, my father lives in Kentucky. Oh, okay. So he's plenty weird. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's, we he's love Canadian, our Kentucky listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've spent a lot of, I've lived in, I lived in quite a few states, actually. I've lived oh, cool. in like Indiana, Kentucky, Virginia, Tennessee, and Pennsylvania. Huh. Cool. So are yeah. you, are you, what's the, what's do you the have weirdest duels? thing you find about us Yankees? Well, hold on. Do you have dual citizenship? <laughs> no. No. Okay. So you are, you are Canadian. I was, I was absolutely an alien. Okay. Pardon me. Sorry. You're, you're Canadian through and you're through. You're an alien. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> she bleeds maple syrup. That's right. <laughs> I don't even like maple syrup. What? Yeah, I don't movie. really like it much. They might don't. Uh, we we gotta edit that, Eric. They can kick her out of Canada for that. That's right. That's like, that's I don't like, like saying you don't either. like the Canada Goose. You don't like what? <laughs> I don't like hockey either. Oh what? Oh sh- <laughs> we really gotta edit this, Eric. Oh, She's man. in danger. <laughs> the Canadian version of the you. FBI is gonna come I, after her. I think hockey okay, is so, more of a. So to, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. What what is the weirdest thing you find about us Yankees? Um, I think I think the fascination or like the <laughs> the fascination with like the my friend always talks about you know South Park how they have the little Canadian guys and they have the flapping head yes. the beady yeah. little eyes yeah. yeah 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 so my friend always fucks with me about that <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know. Everyone seems to, th- and other people have always seemed to think that it's like 
igloos and like snow huts and shit as soon as you hit the border and it's just always oh, cold here. That's like a fascinating, like, I just don't get that. Because yeah. it's not. <laughs> I don't know. Could you, it's the the American misperception of Canada. Mm-hmm. That's what you're talking Yeah. Like, Agreed. get the fuck out of your house and go to Canada. Do that. Yeah. Go to, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've been to Toronto. It's, it's an absolutely beautiful city. It, it, it's amazing. It's, oh, yeah. I guess so. It's not bad. I live like an hour from it's Niagara Falls. So I mean, it's, that's way nicer, but. Oh, yeah, I've, been in, I've been in Niagara Falls as well. You've been, yeah. Is that nice. like close to like Hamilton? Is that the city that's like an hour yeah, outside Niagara Falls? Yeah, that's actually where I, I live around. Okay. Yeah, I live about 30 minutes south of Hamilton. I only know that because of the CFL. That's the only reason I know that. And because I thought about moving to ah, Toronto like dope. five years ago. Ah. Nice. The Hamilton Tigers? Go. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tiger Cat. Yeah. I, uh... I, cat lady. Were, cat you, lady. were you into the C- <laughs> CFL, David, when you were, like, a child? Uh, I know about one Canadian football team, and it was the Toronto Argonauts, and that's about yeah. it. But you knew Baltimore had the rival. We had a team. Well, I mean, yes, we we had the we had the um we had four the like, stars that we had, were in the CFL. Uh, no, they were in the USFL. We were the Stallions, the Colts, yeah. the Baltimore Football yeah. Club, and I think we had one other name. We yeah. had at least three, yeah. which was fucking ridiculous. I could never remember. Uh, yeah, no, I could never okay. remember which one if it was the the Stallions <laughs> or the Stars was in the CFL. I, I won't bore you guys. Didn't we? I could I could go into some um, the stars with the USFL. I could go into some like ex, uh, expansion stuff on the um, CFL into uh, America because some of the names were freaking amazing, like the Memphis Mad Dogs and the Lost. Like, like ah, oh, there were such good names awesome. and good, really good. If you guys <laughs> want to go down a rabbit hole, go on Wiki and f- like just go into the CFL's expansion into the US. Teams and logos, first class. Like they they were doing something right, you know, kind of like XFL level, oh, right. like uh, logos and team names. Tip of the, you know, no tip fucking cap to the CFL. No fucking birds. You know, like do you need another fucking you know team hey, named hey, after a bird? I know we're tongue. I know we're the Ravens, and that's okay. <laughs> but I mean, how many birds and cats are there going to fucking be? You know, like let's let's get a little bit more creative. In the names. Like, Toronto has the Raptors. The only reason I like the Raptors is because they're the fucking Raptors. Like, how many... Like, oh, I agree. You know? Like, they're Raptors. Like, I just immediately I think of Jurassic Park, and I'm like, dope. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, to be fair, to be fair, four out of the five birds in, in the NFL make sense. The Atlanta Falcons, I don't get Atlanta Falcons, I, I don't understand. Ravens make sense. Philadelphia Eagles, because it's the declaration where they wrote the Declaration of Independence. Seahawks, because it's fucking Seattle, and it rhymes, and it's cool. And then the Cardinals was because they had the baseball Cardinals as well. So they had the baseball and the football Cardinals, which but, is lazy. But, but naming, that's but lazy. That's lazy. That's lazy. And that is some, like... A lot of people don't know We've that, David. Like, we're getting into some really nerdy football stuff there. Like, you went to like we are. you went to like the St. Louis Cardinals of NFL and are just expecting people to know that. That's uh, yeah, I you know. know. A lot of people don't know that stuff, but 
it's I that told time. you, we educate and entertain here. Yeah, you do. It's that time. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you're welcome. Now you know some American football shit. But now it's the time, ladies and gentlemen, to go to your favorite part. My favorite part as well. Yeah, favorite part. To the Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I said my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so <laughs> this is um, from Rich. Have I called you a dick on this episode yet? Because you're probably, a dick. probably. Um, okay. So, so, well, I so, so this is <laughs> this is from Rich, and um, this is a topic. So the way this works is, uh, Jackie, you'll go first, then David, and then myself. It's just a round-robin share. And uh, it's, it's a little bit – it's related to something you talked about earlier in uh, resisting temptation. So the topic is, you know, how do you resist temptation? So, Jackie, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I was just taking a drink. Um, how do I resist temptation? Um I like to not maybe put myself in this type of situation and then remember, I, I like to remember, to remember like mm-hmm. the consequences, remember the consequences, remember the life I had and the consequences if I continue to go back full circle. And like, I have the energy to keep up my recovery, but not another, not another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have another relapse under my belt if I want it, but I don't think I have another recovery. So I'm just going to uh, remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Um, how do I resist temptation? Um, huh. You know, it in it, it's different for different forms. Like, you know what I mean? Like when it comes to drugs and alcohol, that that level of temptation doesn't really affect me so much anymore. Um, it's been, I mean, it's been eight years going on eight years. So, uh, it, it, the mental obsession is gone, like kind of the, the, the shine or the luster on drugs and alcohol. It's really worn off and tarnished. So like you said, like I I remember how, how it is and it, it just, it has no attraction, especially alcohol. Like, cause I'm, I'm, oh I still God. go, I, I still go to football games and like, I see these people just getting fucking wasted and I'm just like, Jesus, that does not look attractive at all. At all. Right. And then, and I work in a restaurant and, and stoned ass people coming in reeking like fucking bud. And I'm just like, you guys just look stupid. I was like, did I look this stupid? And, it, it, like, it's just amazing like, how, like, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I guarantee I did, yeah. But, like, at the time, like, I was like, oh, nobody notices. I'm so slick. No, you're not. Right. No, you're not. Every, um, everybody yeah. knows you you stink. You're not slick. Um, and But then, like, to the other part, like, um, I don't know, like, uh, gambling tenta- temptation, it, it it's a lot different. Every once in a while, it's like, hey, man, I want to I go win some money. When, when in reality, it's like, hey, I want to go fucking lose some money. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, me, luckily, uh, I've kept my tally pretty well. I mean, I can't, I've, it's been years since I gambled, but I'm, I'm, I'm in the green, I'm in the black. So I'm like, I'm positive in my money making endeavors gambling. But it, every once in a while, that'll come up. Somebody be like, hey, let's go to the fucking casino. And it's like, 
I'll go, I'll go throw away $200. Why not? Fuck it. Um, so right. that temptation is a little bit harder. And then there's like behavioral temptations. Like somebody cuts you off on the highway and like, I should be the more spiritual person or the hot, take the high road or whatever. And no, I still beat my horn and give him the finger and start yelling out my window. Why? Because I'm still kind of a dick. So like there's, 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 there's various levels of temptation and, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta do the best you can, um, to augment your behavior and your patterns to not go back into those same, uh, destructive patterns of behavior, whether it's gambling or sex or eating or using <laughs> drugs and alcohol. So there's, yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff you can do, but I think it all starts with your, your psychology and your attitude and emotions and behavior. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. Eric, <laughs> Eric, how do you, how do you avoid temptation besides for never leaving your house? Um, <laughs> I mean, he gets another cat. That's how he does it. No, no, it's, uh, I, I don't, I guess I don't get tempted, tempted very often, um, with certain things. I, a lot, a lot of the temptation has been removed or the desire, um, peer pressure doesn't work on me. Um, so that's sort of a, that temptation doesn't really matter because I just frankly don't care. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, if someone's trying to peer pressure me or tempting me to do something, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Okay. Um, I got one. I got one for you, Eric. Go ahead. What, what about, what about like the temptation to sort of start, uh, getting into a little bit of uh, gossip or, uh, negative talk about people? Uh, that can be that's a, that's a slip, that's a slippery one. Well, luckily for yep. me, I don't hang out with anyone right now. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so okay. I just think because both of us are guilty of that. We with are each other. Like, we, we 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 are in the past some character assassinations. I don't, but <laughs> I I, I feel like I've gotten leaps and bounds better. We both have. Um, and yes, what you're talking, you're talking about something where there was a third party in those conversations or a catalyst to those conversations. And that person's not really around anymore. So yeah, like you, it still happens from time to time. Um, not as much as it used to. I like, I don't feel like I am no. like, yeah, sometimes, you know, you're, you're going to shoot the shit, right? <laughs> And you're going to talk like, yeah. I mean, it's, it is natural to do that, but we don't, I don't think we go out of our way to do it anymore. It just will happen kind of in normal conversation and it doesn't like last. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, necessarily hurt people like it used to. Um, so mm -hmm. it's, I mean, again, right. at the end of the road, that's like progress, not perfection. Like we're not hurting people. Like we might be like, oh man, like, you know, what he did was fucking stupid. Like, why the fuck is he doing that? Mm. That doesn't make any sense at all. And like, we might shit on him for a few minutes and then like we move on. Right. But that's like, and we're like, oh, but he's a good guy though. Good. That's, that <laughs> is going to happen no matter what forever. Like we can try yeah. our very best to like, I don't know. I don't know what type of like internal change I would need to do to not think that type of a thought 
because that's like really base level um like morals and like what you believe in like if someone's doing something you don't believe in and i'm like you know can you fucking believe that david was driving like an aggressive dick the other day like you know who like what the fuck like like, he has a driver's license like he was weaving in and out of traffic and honking his horn like he's a fucking asshole and like if i say that (laughs) right and like i'm talking shit to someone else about it like that is like i don't believe in aggressive driving and i think that's wrong or if like someone's doing something where i feel like they're you know they're in like um the loop of like insanity thinking that like something's going to change and then like even though i've like they've asked oh, for my yeah. suggestion and said like you know they're like what should i do and i say like you should do this and then like you keep doing the same thing i'm gonna say that's fucking stupid (laughs) like i don't think it's gossip at a certain (laughs) point it's just like you're not fucking listening to me telling you like that i don't like agree with what you're doing um especially when you ask me what you're doing but i mean things like temptation like okay here high fructose corn syrup i haven't had high fructose corn syrup in a long time hard um so I'm actually about to like try to give up most sugar. It's pretty hard to give up all sugar. That's not like really practical, but giving up um, sugar. And that's why you're going to get diabetes, you know? Uh, But um, I don't like it that much. (laughs) So, but like I can cut it out, right? Like I can, I can like, I can avoid certain foods. So when I, you know, I will get tempted especially when I travel and I'm not traveling now to buy, uh, gummy bears. Um, they, you know, I like gummy bears. Um, they actually, they have some type of corn syrup. I'm not sure it's high fructose, but I like gummy bears. And when I travel, I usually buy them. So love gummy bears. They're great. They're, they're the best. They aren't vegan, by the way, if anyone's going to come at me at that. I understand that what gelatin's made out of, and I'm not going to destroy that for everyone who's listening right now. Um, oh, God. But <laughs> I, I, love, I love gummy bears. Um, it's one of my concessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I'm starting to, like, wean myself off of, like, certain types of sugar and food so that I can try to, like, become more healthy. And, like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking healthy. Like, I work out every day. I eat really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do I eat a few gummy bears every day? Like, do I eat, like, 10 to 15 gummy bears? Yes, I do. Does it matter if I cut them out? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but I want to yeah. because I want to be healthier. So, like, eventually it'll be like, I can't have that. Don't and give then, up your gummy bears. I am giving up don't my give gummy, up bears. gummy bears. I am, David. Don't do that. I am. Okay. <laughs> I don't agree. I don't agree with that. So, I'm, I'm going to switch them out for Live healthier. Life, I'm going to switch them out for healthier, more organic, like you know, gummy bears. Just not like Harborough. Um uh, I know. I know. No. One one day I'll convert you, man, to like this, you know, natural what about, organic what if, life. No, no, you won't. Yeah. No, you won't. <laughs> what about the temptation to keep working, Eric? That's, um, I, I don't know if that's more of a temptation um, or like a guilt thing, um, or stress mm. thing. Um, because some of that's stress, like some of that, like after we get off this podcast, I'm going to work. Um, but that's more of like, <laughs> I have eight hours of calls tomorrow and 
I have eight hours of calls on Friday and I need time to like actually do my job. Um, so I need, you know, I'm going to work this weekend because I need to get stuff done and I have deadlines and it's like, yeah, I mean, I can't get fired. <laughs> so like I have to do my job. Well, I know. Um, and just but like, is, is there ever a point where like you, you, you're tempted to do for like get ahead work? Um, when you don't necessarily have to. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like, like that's that's fucking great though. Like, get ahead work means you don't have to do like you can take breaks. I know. Yeah, I I, like, I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to pro- I'm, I'm just trying to probe you because you were like I don't really get tempted and I was like nah. I mean I don't know if work is really tempted like like it's more of like a necessity right like I I don't I mean yeah so yeah it's like you have a deadline you have to meet it um. It's not really. You can, a, you can you can make anybody can make work unhealthy, but it's not a clock in clock out sort of deal. I can, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, if it was a clock in clock out sort of deal, like if I was like, oh, I'm clocked out, but I'm gonna keep doing, you know, like whatever. I'm gonna keep stocking like the sh- like the A frame next to the register. Then, like, yes. Like I'm, I'm fucking being like, but like these is that's a problem. Yeah, this is like home. I don't know. I come from like the gig based background, and like even though I'm, you know, I work for like corporate America now, it's still like like deadlines. Like I have a deadline, I need to meet the deadline. Um, so just it's ingrained in me at this point. Like doing it for so long, being like on deadline deadline based jobs, like I just got to meet the deadline. Yeah. Cool guys. All right. We talked about me for a real long time there. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're I think we're right. uh, at the end of the episode, David. All right. Well, we would like to thank our guest Jackie for joining us this evening. Woo! Oh, you're very welcome. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for being so nervous at first. I kind of shit the bed on my story, but or else that's okay. No. <laughs> You know, you did a great job. You did a great job. Oh, we appreciate it. Okay, no problem. Um, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Do you want to take a second uh, and let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can talk to you uh, for any of your resources? Um, honestly, um, other than our, our local area here, I mean, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, my name's Jacqueline Rose. Um, I don't have anything set up for uh, recovery stuff yet, but I'm working on my own podcast, actually. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting topics and stuff together. I've been taping like these uh, rants that I go on every now and again. So, I mean, I'll have uh, something maybe I could get in touch with you all to advertise maybe once I get it all set up. Yep. But 100%. I, I follow you guys on Twitter. I don't even, I just learned Twitter. I don't know how it works really, so I can't even say what my name is on there. But um, yeah, I mean, you can find me on Facebook all day. I know how to work that. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. All right. All right well, here, pod, here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. 
We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure you uh, check out Jackie on Facebook. Check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, our YouTube channel. For more information about Eric and I, uh, go to podcastrecovery.com. Maybe click on the Patreon and uh, throw us a couple shekels. Uh, but most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe, stay clean.